Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Hello everybody and welcome to Redman TV and your latest edition of Expert Insight. My name is Dan Club and I'm delighted to say I'm joined by data journalist for Opta, David Seagar. David, how are you doing mate? You okay? Yeah, very good. Sun's out and uh, Liverpool have won. So, uh, yeah, a very good start to the week. Yeah, absolutely. I cannot complain. It is nice and sunny today, which is not in line with what's been going on for the rest of the summer. Looks like we're going to have them late summers again in September, doesn't it? And uh, the summer's been pretty good for Liverpool, I think it's fair to say. Capped off with the signing of Ryan Gavinberg, of course. And we're here to talk about that man because you did a brilliant piece just the back end of last week on Gavinberg and just what he could offer to Liverpool sort of what to expect from him and why he might be the man that we were looking for to finish the midfield rebuild. Now, it's interesting because the last time we spoke, we did a whole show on Liverpool's perfect defensive midfielder and who we should be going to get. And not once, I don't think, did we mention Gravenberge, nor did we mention Endo. So more for us, of course, but it's fascinating, the Gravenberge stuff, because I don't think anyone's quite sure where and how he does fit. So let's talk about it. Now, one of the first points I wanted to talk with you about from the piece, you referenced his time at Ajax playing in a double pivot alongside Eds and Alves, and now, of course, at West Ham. Do you think that is a potential option for him? And just how successful was he in that role at Ajax? Why was he so good there doing that? I think with that role next to obviously, obviously next to Alvarez, he had plenty of defensive cover with him, which I think helped. And I think that's why a lot of the mention of him being a six was was maybe a little misleading because he was he was playing he was a six in the sense that he was playing deep but he wasn't the defensive midfielder he was just that was just his starting position really but as I say it was next to Alvarez who very much was a defensive midfielder um, and of course at Ajax in the Eredivisie um, they're not as dominant as they used to be but they were still one of the best teams and so they didn't have to do all that much defending um, so there wasn't really much of Granber- part of Granberg's game um, but in that role, he, he he excelled in that season. As I mentioned, in the article, particularly in the Champions League, was was interesting because the previous year was his first ma- major season with Ajax. He he, made, he played about nine games a season before being slowly integrated into the team. But then Eric Ten Hag brought him in as a regular part of the team in the twenty twenty one season. And that season, he played mostly as an eight. He played a little bit uh, deeper, but mostly it was as an eight. And a lot of his stats that season were very impressive. But in particular, in the Champions League, they really weren't. Um, that was the season Ajax were in the same group as Liverpool. Um, and they, I think they finished third mm-hmm. and went into the Europa League that year. And so it wasn't, yeah, I think it was a little bit of a real, him realising that that level is a bit higher than the Eredivisie and he'd need to uh, learn a bit from that. But the, yeah, the 21 
um, 22 season, which was when he moved deeper to play next to Alvarez. Um, his numbers in the Eredivisie went down a little bit across the board, like his passing, uh, the number of passes he was making went down, but that doesn't necessarily mean he wasn't getting as involved. I think it was possibly just the role had been had been changed slightly. His passing accuracy went up a bit, but in the Champions League, his passing accuracy went up a lot. Um, in the previous season, I think it had only been around just over 80%, but it went up to just below 90 the season after. Um, and Ajax won all six of their group games in the Champions League that year. I mean, they did have a slightly easier group, it must be said, than the season uh, prior. But they, they, I think they still had Dortmund and Sporting in their group that year, so it wasn't a wasn't a very easy one. Um, but yeah, his, his his numbers went up quite a lot in that competition, which obviously you would think is maybe a bit more of a a, a proving ground than, than the Eredivisie when when you're talking about the top leagues. And um, yeah, it's it's I think Ten Hag was testing him a bit then because he'd seen obviously what he could do as an eight. And he had, as I say, he had impressed that previous season, even if his passing wasn't quite as accurate. Obviously, he was making his passes higher up the pitch, so they were going to be more dangerous, so it was likely to be lower. But I think he was just trying to make him a, a, a more rounded player, and I think it worked, um, even if uh, his performances in the Bundesliga maybe didn't suggest as much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's an interesting one because, like I said, I think we're all we're all relatively excited about the Gravenberg signing because we've seen what he did at Ajax. We obviously courted him for a long time. I think Klopp's had his eye on him for... For a long period now, obviously makes his move to Bayern, doesn't work out. But positionally, it's probably more fascinating than anything else because, as you mentioned there, he wants probably wants to be, his preference would be as an eight and be a bit more advanced. And I think you mentioned in the, in the piece that even when he was at six, he was kind of drifting out to the left a little bit and trying to do a bit more of that type of stuff and be the, be the guy that he wants to be, I guess. Do you think he was at home in that role or do you think it didn't suit him? How would you describe it? I think there was, there was, element. I mean, again, it's difficult to, to judge because because it's Ajax and so that he was playing supposed to be playing as a deeper line midfielder but as you said the the touch touch zone map uh, I looked at for that season if you didn't know that he was supposed to be playing as a defensive midfielder you would or the deeper midfielder you would assume he was playing on very much an attacking eight on the left because his a lot of his touches were in the, those areas of the pitch mm. um, so I don't know if it was just a case of because he was still only nineteen I think at the time so just that youthful exuberance of thinking I want to get forward because um, he is I think he definitely has an attack mind on him. Yeah, people will have seen from his YouTube clips that he loves a shot. Um, he's got a very good shot on him from long range, albeit his shots to goal ratio isn't brilliant. So I think people might need to get used to the odd um, shot from range, which doesn't uh, fly into the back of the net. But hopefully Klopp will uh, will keep that um, to a minimum, so he'll, he'll he'll pick and choose uh, pick and choose his moments. But yeah, I, I think as I said, with, with Ten Hag putting him into that role, I think was just to give him a better idea of of the all round job of a midfielder, and so the his insistence on getting forward. Obviously, there's a part of it that Ajax were just on the attack most of the time, so he's going to be in those positions. But I, I don't think that necessarily means he lacks discipline or anything. I think it was it was just a case of that's what the game called for, and he had a, an idea of of getting forward and and trying to con- contribute in that area. But I'm sure with with Klopp, um, I think we saw from his interview, uh, or Klopp's interview um, after Gravenberg was signed, he made a point of saying that he's a box to box midfielder. Mm-hmm. So. I wrote when I wrote the article. It was with the idea of saying we really kind of it felt like we needed another six. Gravenberg doesn't really look like he's that, but is he? So let's have a look and see if he is. And then I looked and thought, well, there's some things that suggest he might be. And then as soon as we, he signed, Klopp basically said, "Yeah, I'm going to play him as an eight. So um, it's kind of threw it out the window a little bit, but it was still interesting to do. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. 
Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, absolutely. I do I do still maintain, certainly for the early part of his career at Liverpool, we'll see him using a whole host of different roles. We've seen that McAllister, of course, he played as the, the deepest of the three yesterday at time of recording. So, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. And one comparison that, that hasn't gone away, really, since he was sort of linked even a couple of weeks ago was the one with Gino Wijnaldum. And not just the Dutch thing, I think it goes a little bit beyond that, but I think it's his, his usage and how Klopp can sort of make him into something different, potentially, how he can mould in. And you've dug a little bit deeper into that as well. Do you think there is a link there? Do you think the versatility and the intelligence of both footballers? Do you think there is a, a match? And do you think we can do something different with Gravenberg that maybe nobody's done before? Yeah, I think that, I think that's the exciting thing about Gravenberg is that it was, it was kind of the, the premise for the article as well is that he's effectively feels like he's a bit of a he's a bit of sort of clay that can be molded kind of player like he's being again not to not to generalize as you say about about Wijnaldum as well but Dutch players tend to sort of have really really good fundamentals in every area so it feels like you can kind of use them in different areas and and, and mold them to, to your various needs and of course coming through the Ajax academy as well he's, he was always going to be uh have great technique and good game awareness and good um just to have a sort of good eye, good good mind for the game. And I think with with Klopp being such a fan of his, trying to sign him last year, I think it shows that he wasn't looking at Gravenberg as like, I need this specific type of player to fill this specific role. I think he just looked at him and thought, he's a really good player. I'll just bring him in and figure out how I'm going to use him um, when I actually get him in. So I think that's the exciting thing about him is that we won't really know until, I mean, not even at the start, as you said, probably initially. In fact, I'm fairly certain initially he's going to play more often than not as an eight, but that doesn't mean that's where he's going to stay. So if he plays like that this season, that's not to say in two, three, four years time, he couldn't become more of a six or if the system changes again, um, that he could take up another different role. And I think the comparisons to Wijnaldum, as I said, the fact that they're both Dutch probably ties into the fact that Dutch players tend to, as I said, have really good fundamentals. And I think that's why there'll be that comparison between Gravenberg and, and Wijnaldum. But it's, I think it's also just because he's young, he's clearly got a good head on his shoulders, Klopp said in his interview as well, that he was very impressed by him when he spoke to him. Um, and I think that eagerness to learn, eagerness to develop, which again, I think we've seen from 
him being so willing to leave Bayern after just one year. It's not, it wasn't just a case. I think some people could look at it and say, oh, why did he just throw his toys out the pram? Because he wasn't getting regular games, a massive club in this first year. I think it was more a case of he knew for his development, he needs to play games and he needs to have a, a clearer idea of his role in the squad and his role in the squad at Bayern, especially under Thomas Tuchel was, I'll play you for the last five minutes of games because I don't really rate you or have a role for you. And Tuchel said himself, like the, the role he feels Gravenberg is best in doesn't exist in his team, whereas Klopp believes it does in his. So I think it's, he just saw an opportunity to go to another big club where he's got a clearer role in the team and that's where he can develop. So I think if he has got that attitude of wanting to do whatever he can to develop as a player and under Jurgen Klopp, you would think he should, uh, then yeah, it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be an eight for his whole career, but it should mean that uh, Klopp can get something out of him wherever he plays him. Yeah, definitely. I absolutely agree with that wholeheartedly. I think the fact that he has moved away from Bayern should be looked at as a positive because he clearly was unhappy and he felt like his development suffered as a consequence of his lack of game time, as you mentioned. Nagelsmann signed him and I think the, the director, Sally Hamadich, who signed him and was part of the transfer, they've both left the club now. So he's probably looking at it going, the fellas that brought me here aren't here anymore. Like, what exactly is my role? And as you mentioned, I think Tuchel referenced the fact he's behind Thomas Muller and Jamal Musiala in the pecking order and he's probably looking at that going, I don't even want to play in that position necessarily, so I don't quite know how that works. But yeah, I think the fact he's come to Liverpool looking to kickstart himself again is a massive, massive tick in the box, personally. Um, just more generally now, we've spoken about sort of positionally and what he could become or what he might be to begin with. But in terms of his strengths and sort of his obvious key attributes that are impressive, what have you noticed from him looking at his research and sort of doing the numbers? What areas does he really stand out in? I mean, he's very keen to get on the ball. Um, again, that was something that really stood out in his in his first full year at, at Ajax, or his first proper year at Ajax, which was the 2021 season, was considering he was 18 at the time. He was playing regularly for them, but he was uh, attempting, I think it was just, just over 75 passes per 90 minutes, which last year, if you compare that to Liverpool's midfield, the only midfielder who was even getting close to that was Thiago. I won't say getting close to it, he had more, but Thiago was uh, averaging just shy of 78 but the next was, I think, Henderson with with 67. And then after that, it was Fabinho with 61. So Gravenberg was was getting on the ball a lot. He was wanting the ball, attempting passes. His pass success rate, I say, that season was only around 82%. But I said that was would have been further up the pitch. So would have been in, in tighter areas of the of the pitch. And probably, again, being young, maybe he was trying passes he, he, that were a bit too optimistic. But um, in terms of his, his, his forward passes as well, I think that's going to be a key at Liverpool is not just obviously getting on the ball and moving it, but not wanting to be one of these midfielders who gets on the ball and is just passing it backwards, passing it back to the defence, giving the, having the easy balls. Um, he's averaged, I think it's just shy of a third of his passes are forward, which is about right for a midfielder um, at, the, at the top level. And again, Liverpool's midfield, that's around the same again of, of what, of, of how, the, how their average from last season. Um, so I think at that, at that young age for him to be so confident to, to want the ball and to attempt as many passes as he did um, bodes well. Uh, and as, as I said in the article, the, the Bundesliga season, you can't really put too much um, faith in the numbers there because obviously it was so sporadic. His appearances coming off the bench for the last five, ten minutes of games that were probably already won most of the time. Um, but in terms of his uh, passing numbers, as I said, in his second uh, season at Ajax, they went up quite a bit. So he was clearly learning a lot in terms of how to how to keep hold of the ball um, in his passing game. Also dribbling. Um, he loves a dribble, really, really loves a dribble, um, which 
I'm not certain how much chance he'll get to do it. Obviously, in the Premier League, you feel like midfields are a bit more congested. Mm-hmm. Uh, he perhaps had a bit more space in the Eredivisie and even in, in the Bundesliga. Um, but yeah, last season, he's still, even in spite of, I said, you would think he'd have a lack of confidence because of his lack of game time. But he attempted, I think it was around 3.8 dribbles per 90 when he was on, which was ridiculous for a centre midfielder. No other uh, Bayern midfielder averaged more than, or even averaged one per 90. So um Probably the likes of Kimmich and, and Goretzka and Sabitzer just weren't trying them. Like maybe that's not their game. But Gravenberg got on the ball. He was turning and wanting to run at the opposition, which you could argue maybe that's something Klopp wanted as well because that's something Romeo Lavia is very good at. Um, and obviously we were targeting him earlier this summer. And so potentially that's something he wants from his midfielders is, is to get on the ball and actually try and open up that space by attempting dribbles. Um, one area I said, as I mentioned in the in the article that he potentially could be better at. And I don't know, I think this probably lends itself to the fact that he attempts so many dribbles is that he does also lose possession more often than you'd like, um, which obviously it's been a bit of a problem in our midfield is midfielders losing possession and then all of a sudden we can, we can be opened up. So that's something he's going to have to look out for. And, and I think potentially if we, if we maybe don't see him starting games straight away, that's possibly something that Klopp's going to be working with him on the training field. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you know, he'll he'll be aware of that. Klopp will be aware of that. The club will be aware of all of his numbers. So anything like that, I'm sure they'll look to uh, try and train out. 